Cy, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, you got it, Brandon. Great to meet you. Thanks yeah. for having us at your office here. Very cool. The coolest office I've ever been to. Thank you. Yeah, life, we like to way. say it's the coolest office forget in Seattle. Forget the Twitter building. Forget Amazon. Look at where we are. They've got, they've got nothing on the headset headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> incredible, incredible. So why don't you start, just tell us what's headset? Sure. So uh, with Headset, we're doing data and analytics for cannabis companies. So uh, market intelligence for product manufacturers, brands in the industry, uh, retailers, uh, better understanding what their data is telling them through business intelligence. So just really trying to uh, get insights out of data and share that with uh, people in the industry, people looking at the industry so they can make better business decisions, essentially. So there's really like two pieces here, right? There's like data for the retailer which I learned you cannot call dispensaries here. They are stores. They are stores. Stores or shops. Sure. Or somebody else say mm -hmm. something like that. Yep. So there's a piece for them, correct? So like what, do you, what kind of data would you capture at the, at the retailer? Sure. So that was our first product, was our retailer edition. So a lot of business intelligence, so insights into their own internal data. So uh, better understand uh, segment category trends so they can identify areas that they should be investing in mm. or areas that they should be addressing that are performing uh, not as well as they should be for them. Um, really helping them with things like inventory and understanding inventory carry, inventory turn, um, just some common kind of retailer metrics around that that really helps uh, streamline what they're doing uh, so that you know they can save time, save money. You know, to get a lot of those insights pretty difficult right now for them. You know, they utilize a variety of point of sale systems that has you know some uh, pretty basic reporting uh, at the moment. But uh, you know, headset we like to talk about as a supercharger for their point of sale, mm -hmm. just a whole new way to see their data so they can quickly and easily you know make those critical decisions. Yeah. So have you built integrations with some of those services, or how, how do you work mm -hmm. together with those PLS? Yeah. So in a variety of ways, uh, every every point of sale is different, uh, but we. We do integrate uh, in some capacity with the majority of the, the largest uh, point of sales right now. So from the Biotrax, MJ Freeways to the Green Bits and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So you started Headset about a year or so ago, right? Is that? Yeah, that yeah. Said? About a year ago, I, let's see, it's, uh, yeah, just about a year ago we actually left um, Leafly. So yeah, I would say just tell, about tell us that story a little bit. I mean, it's one of the most recognizable brands, I think, in cannabis. Yeah, thank uh, congratulations you. on the exit. One of those Excellent. few wins in cannabis. Really cool. Can yeah. you tell us about sort of that transition and how do you know it's time to leave? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a you know always a tough choice. You know, we had been doing Leafly. Uh, we started that I guess about six years ago now. Uh, sold it to a group, Privateer Holdings. Yep. Um, they're based here in Seattle. It's a big reason why we're in Seattle as well now. Yep. Um, you know, we stuck around for about three years post-acquisition, which is a pretty common story, you know, yeah. in the startup world. And was that contractual? Is that the way that it was laid out three years? Or? Essentially, yeah. It was, uh, there wasn't a hard time frame on it, but um, when we started with Privateer, um, you know, we were pretty small. Privateer was very small. Um, and we scaled it up, you know, to where Leafly is today, yeah. um, or wh where it was when we left anyways. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we just uh, kind of got it to a great spot. Uh, really doing well, like you said, recognizable brand, you know, it's it's synonymous Give with cannabis. Give us a sense of the size of that. I mean, uh, you know, how, how big is Leafly? Yeah, boy, I don't, I don't know, or it's when, been a long when time. when you left anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think uh, we were doing about six million sessions a month, I think, wow. when we left. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's been a little while since I've looked at those numbers, yeah. but uh, you know, number one on the App Store still when you search cannabis or marijuana, yep. both you know on on Android and iOS. Um, I'm sure, Mass Roots is super happy about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's so. I mean, it was a great run, and we really did uh, some interesting stuff with Leafly. You know, really, what we wanted to do was change perceptions around cannabis uh, for. Um, you know, the mainstream audience, you know, to look at it differently, kind of, you know, branded it in a different way. And it, it did really well, and it still continues to do well. And I think, you know, there's still plenty of room for education in the space. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we just had decided, we saw a lot of other opportunities, uh, especially around data and analytics. When we were with Leafly, you know, we talked to a lot of dispensaries, we talked to a lot of retailers, and uh, probably the, the number one thing we would hear is that, you know, they don't have the data to make good decisions. Mm. So whether that was a brand that was looking at expanding into a new market and trying to understand, you know, who are the players in the market, how are they doing, um, you know, what are my opportunities, or that was a retailer just trying to, to streamline everything they're doing and not really having good tools to get uh, good metrics out of their systems. You know, we, we kind of started to think, you know, maybe there's something there. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing, you know, exists in other verticals, you know, it's, it's not uh, specific to cannabis. People need data in, in any industry. Absolutely. So we're kind of modeling a lot on other companies like uh, Nielsen or IRI that are out there doing it for the consumer packaged goods industry, you know, mm -hmm. really um, kind of bringing those, those data points uh, to this space. And then I'm sure the long-term plan is to use much of your own data in those external reports, right, from the dispensaries that you collect, is that? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So in aggregate, you know, being able to say, you know, how different brands are selling, what products are resonating with consumers. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, it's, a, it's so cool with cannabis, you know, it's this whole new industry that's kind of popped up. I mean, we've been in it, you know, six years now with Leafly and now with Headset. Which is a long time in the yeah, cannabis industry, right. by it, the way. It, yeah. do, it does yeah. feel like a long time. Um, I know there's, you know, people that have been in the, in the industry in some sort since, you know, way even before that. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the pace that it's growing, uh, it does feel like a long time. Like, it, a lot's changed in six years. So, um, What are the most visible changes? I mean, particularly, we're in Seattle, right, which is a little different market than I see normally plays in. We, we're in California a lot. Right. What have you seen in the change in Seattle? I mean, obviously legalization, but you know, right. what, what do you see tangibly? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just uh, sentiment, you know, people kind of more accepting of the industry now or people just kind of get it. Uh, you know, even in California, when we'd have conversations, you know, what we're doing with Leafly, um, you know, at the very beginning, it was like, oh, you know, how are we going to talk to people that were doing a cannabis company, you know, six years ago? And then uh, once we started talking to people, they're like, oh, of course, that makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. You know, there needs to be something like that. And now it's just it's just normal. Like when I talk to people, it's, it's almost unsurprising. You know, yep. I think people are fascinated by the space and it's, it's great conversation, but they're not like shocked that we're doing what we're doing. Where, yeah, right. You know, previously it might have been like, wow, I can't even believe that's a thing. Another really interesting thing is just how uh, mature the industry is getting in legal markets like Washington here um, and, you know, Colorado as well. And, and California's, you know, medical is getting very mature also. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the product assortment, the vi variety of products available, yep. you know, it's not just dried flour in jars anymore. Yep. You know, you have tons of different extraction methods, tons of different edibles and, and vapor pins and, you know, you name it, the there's some way. topicals, everything, it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, breath spray, essentially, you know, <laughs> sublingual the, spray. The Listerine kind of strips too. Yep, yeah, yep. Wow. all of that, right? You name it, there's some uh, way to ingest cannabis. So many modes of consumption. Exactly, and that's fascinating to see, and it's really fascinating for us to be able to track that and see, you know, what's, what's working, you know, yep. what's actually selling, what's resonating, what are people buying, are they still just buying flour, how are they buying flour, or if they buy, are they buying the breath strips? 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I think the the biggest fact that I can point to, I think, in Colorado, there the taxation, the, the taxes generated from edibles or non-smokables mm-hmm. were significantly higher than what they were for flowers. Mm-hmm. I think last mm-hmm. year, right? Which is sort of a telling fact that, like, particularly right. new consumers of cannabis, right, they don't necessarily want to smoke, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's you know, smoking is kind of out of fashion, anyways. You know, whatever type of smoking yep. we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so people are looking at you know, vaporization or, yeah. or edibles as ingestion methods. I think edibles, um, you know, with uh, recreational cannabis now, you have limits on the amount of you know milligrams of THC per serving. I think that helps ease some fears that you know the casual consumer might have had. Uh, early on with the medical days where you had these like, really potent small chocolates that you know would put you to bed pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, I think about that all the time. Like these culinary experts right. that are putting so much cannabis in their product that I'm actually not really enjoying their product for all that long. Sure. Right? Like I'm taking the smallest little bite of a brownie or something, and that could be the best brownie in the world. Right, right. But, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't taste it hardly, right? Right, right. Or yeah. it's the tiniest brownie in the world with the, the potency because you can only take a small bite. Exactly. Right? exactly. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, in the industry, we're seeing, you know, uh, products that are, you know, a full brownie, but it's 10 milligrams, yep. you know, something that's more manageable. Exactly. So I think the casual consumer is, is moving towards that a little bit more as an option. It's not such a scary thing anymore where if I eat an edible, I'm going to be out of it for a couple days because right. who knows how strong this is. Like it was in the black market, right. you know, you get an edible and who knows whoever oh, baked it and how much they scary. put in it. Right. It's scary. So it's really cool to kind of see a lot of that changing. And when we were first getting involved, you know, we we're in California uh, when we started Leafly and we were in a lot of dispensaries and, you know, it was, it was dried flour in jars, you know, small strain selection usually. And then there was like a brownie in, in a Ziploc bag with an Avery label, uh-huh. you know, and now you see, you know, incredible branding Packaging, being done, yeah. packaged goods, yeah. like stuff that- um, Anti-Dolores comes to mind. Yeah, exactly, right? Job, like yeah. Kiva's in California. Kiva's and we've got a ton of those here in Washington where it's, it's, it's striking. It's almost like it used to be branding was a huge differentiator. Like you could have a brand and that w- would really stand out. Now branding is so good across the board. Mm-hmm. It's just like, the baseline to even play in the space. So is data, just bringing this back here, right, is right. data the differentiator? Is that what you kind of sell? Like, hey, you can make better informed decisions here? Exactly, yeah. right? It's it's costly. It's costly to tool up if you're an edibles manufacturer, for example, and you you want to get involved and, and make a new product, like say a, a mint, like an Altoid mint, right? Just hypothetical, you know, you're looking, your company, you're looking at that as an option. Um, you know, maybe one other company does a mint and you want to see, you know, well, is it successful? You know, I see it in a few stores. Is it selling? You know, right now, you know, previously you'd have to run around to different retailers and try and find out, you know, is that a popular product? Mm-hmm. Are people buying? Is it resonating? Mm-hmm. Try and find people that have consumed it. What, what do they think? Yeah. You know, we're trying to, to kind of normalize that where you can go to, you know, headset and get that kind of information before you invest in this whole tooling system and packaging ah. and everything and, and branding and, you know, build that up. You can make those decisions because we can tell, you know, how well that mint is selling, you know, what, how well that mint sells for that brand uh, compared to all the other products that they make, uh, you know, how it's priced at different retailers, you know, what kind of margins can you be looking at? And that's pretty valuable. And I think that is stuff that exists in other industries. If you're going to make a new uh, energy bar, you know, you'd, you'd want to look and see, you know, absolutely how, how are the energy bars priced? You know, which ones are doing well, which ones aren't doing well? What, you know, what kind of margins can I make before you go and get all the ingredients and, and the sure. tooling systems and everything else so to save some money in the long term? Yeah, very valuable angle that I hadn't thought about. I had thought kind of a the investor that needs external data, you know, looking at the industry as a whole, or obviously internally mm-hmm. uh, with the retailer saying, okay, what do we need to buy next month? 
Absolutely. But someone that's cr starting a, a startup could, could be very compelling for them as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a wide audience yeah. for data. I mean, everybody needs it for different capacities. Like you're saying, like the investor that's looking at the space and, you know, should I invest in this company that says they're going to go into this segment? You know, how's that segment doing? You know, are concentrates, you know, moving up or moving down? You know, is is rosin a popular new extraction method or was it kind of a, a one-time thing that everyone was talking about right. now it's tapering off? You right, know, right. it's it's a lot of guesswork right now. And, you're, you know, you're throwing a lot of money at something that's a guess is, is pretty high risk. Got it. So if you want people to pay for this data, right, to make these extremely important decisions, mm -hmm. it brings up the question of the validity of the data, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. How do you do that? How do you measure the quality of, of the data you're putting out there? Yeah, I mean, we really make sure that it's it's accurate. Uh, so one of the tricky problems with cannabis is uh, everything is kind of entered into point of sales in different manners. Yeah. So. Uh, someone might call one product uh, across two stores, they might enter it in different ways, like a, f a flower or a strain, they might add the THC to the tail end of the name, you know, mm. so it's not so easy to just match that down to one product. But we have some good automated systems that really help us uh, match those products and link those products down to a single product, you know, for lack of things like a UPC, right, that everybody, you know, Cheerios, you scan it at one store, you scan it at another store, it's the same, same number, it's different with cannabis, you know, that doesn't exist. So uh, being able to do that, we have um, you know people as well that go and kind of scrub that data and validate that mm. it's all all mm. correct, which is really important. And before Are those we external people that like contractors that you're hiring, yeah, that, or yeah, like, like mechanical turking or how does how does that? Um, a little a little bit of everything. You don't have to give your secrets off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're external people yeah. at the moment, and some internal as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the mechanical turk. It's a tough problem. Uh, we've we've thrown the problem to mechanical turk at one okay. point, and uh, you know came back okay, but but Just almost okay. yeah. yeah, almost as good. I mean almost our uh, automated methods were better in that mm. sense. So we have, you know, it requires a little bit of domain knowledge, you know, to really understand Which what you're thinking. Which of course you have tremendous amounts of, and your team. Uh, tell us about your team. I had the pleasure to meet them, hang out for a few minutes. It's only three of you today, or how, how many How many are on the team? Right uh, Full-time, we've got four of us. Okay. Um, yeah, so you met two, two of the other founders yeah. today. Um, and then we have about 10 contract okay. uh, helpers out there, from data scientists uh, to market analysts, uh, to sales. Got it, yeah. got it. Uh, the sales aspect is really interesting to me. I'm mm -hmm. a SaaS salesman during the sure. day. And uh, I mean, what, what's the strategy there? I mean, when you go into a, a store or whatever, you know, how do you, how do you compel someone to make this decision? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, for the retailer to help them understand uh, yeah. their data, I mean, they get it, you know, because they're trying to get uh, these insights already uh -huh. and they're struggling with it. The larger retailers and dispensaries have staff sometimes to, to try and pull these numbers that we're sharing with them, um, but that's costly and it takes that staff a lot of time. And the way they're doing it is, you know, exporting a lot of spreadsheets, uh, doing a lot of pivot tables, spending yeah. a lot of time in Excel uh, to generate these insights. And even the product manufacturers, retailers, they're all kind of in the same boat in that yeah. sense. Um, the smaller shops, you know, the mom and pops or the, the smaller stores or the smaller dispensaries don't have that luxury or that privilege, but they still need those same. And they know they need it. They, they know they need it. That's really cool that the industry has matured that much that they know that they need it. Because I don't think it's like that right. in a lot of parts of California, to be honest. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, California is a, is a sizable state, sizable yeah. market, and you have, you know, the, the small delivery driver, you know, that's tracking everything and, and QuickBooks or whatever um, to the larger dispensaries, uh, for sure. You know, there there is a bit of education still for some of the smaller ones, but yeah. once they see it, they get it, and they can see you know how it helps their numbers every month. You know, saving money on their inventory, making sure they're buying the right products to carry. So mm -hmm. they get mm -hmm. it.
yeah, no, very, very cool. I think we're gonna do a couple product shots as well, kind of get a look at the product. But if you could, just tell us, like, what's the interface like? You know what I mean? Is this searchable stuff? I mean, obviously, it's a it's a data platform, right? So I'm picturing a lot of bars and graphs and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. am, I on the, am I on the right track? You are, you yeah. are. And so, um, you know, usability and design is really important to us. You know, we did that with Leafly, and yeah. it's a big differentiator when you can have something Huge. that looks really clean, really usable. You know, people expect their tools to be functional. You know, it used to be you could do, like, a B and B2B type uh, service and uh, the tools weren't that great. So I think one of the great things about Leafly was you guys really thought about design from the beginning. It really was like a cornerstone of Leafly. Uh, and I, I expect that no different as far as heads can concerned. Can you talk about the importance of design a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're um, you know tech guys and we understand that you know usability is really important. And um, you know, traditionally it used to be in like the B2B world, design didn't really matter. You just kind of had to use the tools that you had. Were available, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's really changed, you know. Uh, you know, people expect a, a good interface. They expect the kind of usability that they get from consumer apps. And you see that reflected in, in you know, hot startups like uh, Slack, right, which, you know, a lot of businesses are using. But it's, all, it's almost like a consumer app, you know, well-designed, intuitive. So we really wanted to do that with headset. Slack is the better designed Yammer. Exactly. By the way, right? Yeah, like right. Not the or first hip to the chat. table. Right. Yeah, hip chat as well, but just did it better. Did it better. Designed better. Right. Yeah. Design, you know, not only visual, but just usability, right? A lot of uh, stuff that might have been tricky in other systems like hip chat, really easy in Slack um, and intuitive. So we really wanted to do that with headset. You know, it's a lot of information, it's a lot of data, a lot of details. And uh, to have a, a simple system is, is critical, especially because, you know, people are busy. You know, the retail shops, the dispensaries, they're busy. It's smaller ones, you know, uh, just don't have the resources of the time. So we want to make it really easy to get those insights out of the system without having to really dig through and really have to this huge learning curve of an interface. So yeah, design is really important, and it's uh, it's noticeable. You know, people talk mm -hmm. about it, and they, it really resonates with them. Yeah, I mean, so much of that iteration, right, and that that redesigning comes from like that customer development. Right, you know, getting that direct feedback from the customer and then sure. taking that back and changing it. How are you going about that? I mean, how are you getting it in the hands of people? And are you in a beta right now, or kind of what, what's the status of of, uh, of that, that piece? Yeah, so with our retailer edition, the, the first uh, handful of uh, retailers that we worked with, it was all beta. And when we go into new markets, we kind of are beta as well mm -hmm. um, for different reasons. Similar interface, although different markets have you know, Colorado's a little different than Washington because they have a different way of, of doing things. But um, you know, it's it's very similar. Um, but we do work closely with the retailers, the dispensaries, when they get on the platform, get their feedback. Um, it's it's critical. I mean, the only way you can make something that people are going to want is to listen to your first customers. And we, you know, solicit that feedback. You know, we ask for it because anything that we can hear from a, a one retailer can benefit every other retailer on the platform. So it's, there is a balance there, though, right? Like you can get too much feedback in a way. Sure. At what point do you say, well, you know? We're the founding team and we've got to make the decision even if there's competing sides here. Right? Sure, yeah. I mean, you have to say no sometimes, yeah. right? Because, uh, you know, everybody does want something a little different. So it's trying to find that common ground and find those uh, real good opportunities, the stuff that you're hearing from many people. And, you know, the, the one-offs or the stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense or might just be too technically challenging, you know, we just have to defer those for the moment. And, you know, people usually get it, you know? Absolutely. So. Take me through kind of the, the big like meta vision here. You know, you, you get every store, every dispensary in the country using your data, every investor is, is using this data. I mean, what's kind of the, the end game for you? I mean, what's, what's the big picture look like? 
Yeah, I think um, like many startups, when you go into a, a new endeavor, you kind of uh, you think about you know your exit strategy, so to speak. You yeah, know, absolutely. Uh, something that you have to talk to investors about. You know, what's the plan? You know, is this going to be you're going to run this business for the next 50 years, or is there going to be some sort of acquisition? And I think our goal is uh, you know to really aim for some sort of exit at some point in the future. You know, when um, more states have uh, legislation or you know it gets descheduled hopefully which you know the trajectory is there things yep. are looking good yep. you know uh, this is a huge year for cannabis right huge. with California and huge. all the variety of other states so that's on the way and I think um, you know when that happens there's gonna be an appetite for this kind of information from companies like Nielsen you know that are already tracking things like alcohol um, that need to be able to track uh, the cannabis segment as well you know, it's a good good uh, opportunity for them to be able to you know acquire a company and get that data quickly instead of dealing with this fragmented marketplace Absolutely. from scratch. Absolutely. So that's an open invitation to Nielsen, by the way. If you that's right. Yeah, talking. call me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you're ready. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, I'm, no I'm here. Yeah. I'm just sitting on the dock waiting for. Waiting <laughs> that's for your, right. I'll be right here. Your call here. Rain or shine. <laughs> you talked about investor conversations a little bit. Uh, being one of the handful of founders in the cannabis industry with a successful exit, at least that I can name, mm -hmm. everybody must want, want to give you money, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a lot of interest in our seed stage, yeah. uh, which is great. It was really great. Um, we're lucky and we appreciate it. And we, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice because it's tough. Raising money can be tough you know, are, for yeah. startups. I mean, you guys, that's, you know, investing in cannabis, you guys get it. Um, so, you know, having a team, having a, a track record, and having a solid idea, you know, is really what we went out with when we went to raise for headset. And we we were lucky to have some great investors back us, you know. And because there was a lot of interest in our uh, seed round, you know, we had had the ability to kind of uh, you know decide who we wanted to work with. And we're really lucky to have a great pool of, of investors and angel investors, um, you know, on 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 headset or backing us. And and with them, you know, not only did they bring money, but they bring you know good expertise in a variety of, of areas and a good network yeah. um, you know that just really helps us get uh, where we are now you know so quickly and I guess there's kind of two schools of thought right like you can take as much money on as possible and mm -hmm. grow sure. as quickly as possible or you can be real bootstrapped about it and right I think I know what your answer to this question is going to be but which way do you sort of do you fall on I mean yeah, so we uh, we tried to keep it small in the beginning. Um, you know, we raised. Uh, we originally went out for seven fifty, and we oversubscribed a little bit, and ended up raising eight twenty five. Okay. Um, you know, which is a relatively small round, um, and that's kind of what we wanted to do because we needed to really you know use that money to build the products. You know, to prove what we were doing. You know, is compelling, and we'll have an audience. Um, and that's kind of where we're just now getting to. So um, yeah, this year we're gonna probably be doing another, well, for sure doing another uh, raise. Yep. We're still kind of finalizing the terms. It's gonna be much more significant uh, than, our, than our seed round. Um, but with that, you know, we'll work to scale and just uh, hit more markets, more market saturation, a variety of uh, services and products that we, you know, we wanna build, but it's just hard to build with a small team. So are there certain metrics that you look to to say, okay, well, when we hit that number, mm. it's time to go for the A? Yeah, so um, it's um, markets, the markets that we're in. Yeah. So when we originally launched, we were in Washington, we really want to hit uh, a majority of the medical and recreational markets before we raise, and we're, we're just now getting there. Okay. Uh, so that's exciting to, to be able to get headset into the hands of other markets. Cool. Um, 
and products. So you know, we start with our retailer edition, and uh, you know, now we have we're building out our reporting services now. So having that and uh, having customers for that is pretty critical. And then we're going to go into the race. What's the most expensive part of this? Is it development? Is it sales? I mean, you look to the future. What what would the money be used for? Yeah, I mean, it's it's development. You know, it, it's uh, you know, engineering is expensive. Yeah. You know. Um, and but that's that's what we are, you know. That's what a SaaS platform is—is sure. is development, um, you know, marketing also. Uh, and I think it'll kind of taper off. It's like a, like a plane taking off, you know. All our all our money is spent a lot on engineering, um, you know, and data science. You know, digging into the data uh, is is important and you know relatively expensive. Um, but you know, once the the product begins to mature, you know, and as we're in more markets and, and have that saturation, then the engineering tapers off a little bit. I mean, we'll always be innovating, always yeah. be adding, but uh, I expect, you know, a lot of marketing and sales uh, costs yeah. to come. So just before this, I was talking to Anthony Davis of Ansling, sure. one of your investors, yeah, yeah. and we were talking about how his number one, three things he looks for are team mm -hmm. and founders, right? Mm -hmm. And it's particularly interesting because you guys, oh, hello. Cool. <laughs> How are you? Come up here, man. No worries. Hey, You're buddy. Good. Hey, buddy. Oh, we got <laughs> to include that. That was amazing. I hope That's an awesome little life jacket. Yeah. <laughs> on the go, right? <laughs> so Anthony's thesis is really founder, founder, founder. That's the first three things he looks for. Yeah. And I find it particularly fascinating that you're working with the exact same team that you did with Leafly. Can right. Talk about sort of the synergy between you and, and why that's been so important to, to carry over. Yeah, I mean, Anthony's spot on. I think, you know, you read a lot of stories about startups. Um, you know, early stage founders are critical and the dynamic between the founders is really important. Um, you know, that's all a company is, you know, when you're, when you're starting out is just the individuals involved um, before you even have any sort of product. Um, so it's critical to, you know, work with people that you could trust, that can get the job done, um, that, you know, are autonomous and don't need, you know, management. Yeah. Um, you know, all those things are important. And uh, with Brian and with Scott and myself, another, another great thing, you know, in addition to all of that is that, you know, we all kind of have different skill sets. You know, I've got, um, I have an engineering background, computer science major and, and, and you know, programming uh, in my early days in tech, but kind of moved in more into product and product management. Um, you know, Scott is heavily in, invested in engineering, um, you know, and he's our CTO, and Brian comes from the design world. So to kind of have uh, different skill sets is really Amazing, great. Yeah. And they kind of augment each other, um, and it really uh, helps, you know, with just building a new product, you know, you can really just kind of do it on your own at that point where, you know, it's not just a, a business guy and an idea guy, and you've got to find a team to build out the rest. So, um, you know, that and... Also keeps your overhead down. Exactly. Right? Right. When they're your co-founders. Exactly. Yeah, it definitely does in the beginning. And then, you know, you can get to a point where you build up that engineering staff, you build up that design staff, you build up the product team, you build up the sales team, and you could kind of get out of, you know, the day-to-day -day of, of building all that, doing all that minutia, which is, you know, part of the transition from startup to a little more mature company. Yeah, absolutely. So we've come to my favorite part of the episode here. Sure. I'm always fascinated, aside from their, the guest's professional cannabis life, their sort of personal consumption of it, uh, how, do you, how do you like to cannabis? I mean, do you like joints, do you like bongs, you like edibles, you know what? What kind of uh, what kind of consumer? Yeah, I'm a I'm a pretty frequent consumer. I'm a nighttime consumer. Okay. I enjoy it kind of like a lot of people enjoy a glass of wine. Yep. Um, just kind of at the end of the day to kind of relax a bit, to take my mind off of 
the day-to-day and especially when you're doing startups you know it's that's a really hard thing to do you know is to kind of stop thinking um, and so can I find cannabis you know immensely helpful for that uh, I prefer to vaporize mm-hmm. I have a PAX 2 that I really like lately um, it's pretty convenient yeah. uh, so I, and I like the variety of flower that mm-hmm. I get to try with that we got to get you a vape exhale yeah yeah I love I love uh, vape exhale yeah. and, a friend of the show, you got to get one, man. It's an incredible experience. Yeah, you, you know, like to vaporize. It's funny you say that because we're actually we were just talking yesterday about reaching out Sabo to get vape exhale for our office. Got to do it <laughs> just to have around, you know, just to have for for end of day sometimes. Um, How about strains? Any any particular strains that you like? Yeah, you know, I'm not. I kind of bounce around. I don't have any uh, any go to. Uh, recently, I tried. Um, Animal cookies was pretty good. Nice. Yeah, pretty not not too bad. And, a lot of cookies uh, out there these days. A lot days, of cookies, you know? yeah. <laughs> All sorts of cookies everywhere. Uh, but it's good stuff. And uh, I kind of you know I'll just talk to the bud tenders. Uh, or I'll talk to the stores that work with headset sometimes, yeah, yeah. especially when we deal a lot with the inventory managers. It's like, what are you buying? What are you recommending? Uh, just to get some some insights on what I should be purchasing. Um, but yeah, the variety, you know, it's, there's so much now, like so much variety that I hate to just have like one or yeah, two, you know, I like absolutely. to kind of try them all because yeah. just keep getting better. And then you just go to Leafly and read about them. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Your... Yeah. Some, sometimes. Yeah. Look, look on <laughs> Leafly. To. Yeah. Right. Where, where, how the reviews are there. Um, yeah. So I, I do enjoy it, uh, but mostly to unwind. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the most, uh, functional like i can't work and, yeah. and consume that's yeah. harder to do you're the future man that's, yeah. that's what you are is yeah. everybody is going to stop drinking alcohol right because it gives you a headache right and you can't work the next day yeah exactly and some people beat their wife you know, <laughs> right. you know yeah, they yeah. drive whatever you're the right. future man yeah you got your startup during the day right and then you're going to go home and you smoke a little cannabis at night right right, yeah. right. just unwind you know get yeah. stuff done during the day and unwind in the evening you know uh yeah so that's that's kind of my my Awesome. Yeah. So it's been a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Really nice to meet you. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And, and uh, yeah, it's yeah. nice. It's not raining. Plug today. some stuff. Headset.com. What's the, what's the website? Headset. Headset.io. Io. Yeah. Okay. So head, head over there. Twitter, and, uh, Instagram. Anything else? You yep. Do? Yep. We're on all of those. You can you can find us on uh, just search Twitter, search Facebook. You'll find us there. Um, Instagram as well. Um, yeah. Head over to the website and uh, you can read all about what we're up to. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. It's been really fun. Yeah, this has uh, been great. Yeah. I'll see you next time, guys. Sounds good.